0: All right, well, I hope you know we are beginning a new series today. Get ready, the book of Revelation. Wow, I thought there'd be a lot more excitement about that. Wow. Uh, okay, so for, for years, I've, I've, oh, pastor, would you, oh, I would love a series on the book of Revelation. I said, would you? Really? Really? Is that really what we want? Is that really? No. Seriously, right? There's this intrigue with the end times, right? We think Revelation, we think, oh, crazy stuff. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen, right? We have a fancy word for this called eschatology, okay? That's the view of the end times. That's not something you got diagnosed with, okay? All right? Or the study of, right? It's the study of the end times. And so um, we are going to be in Revelation now, not to let you down too much, we're not like Talking about, like, you know, um, the lampstands and all those different things today, and what does that mean, and the dragons, and all that kind of stuff. We're not talking about that, okay? We're actually talking about the letters to the churches, which is the beginning of Revelation, okay? Anybody still write letters, right? Kind of a lost art, but kind of getting a renewal now, Right? Okay, we realize that doing this all the time, just, I don't know, it just doesn't have like the same kind of feel to it, does it, right? So I remember, speaking of letters, I remember my, my grandfather would write me letters while I was in college. One of the coolest things is that he would, he would still, you know, because Granddad didn't know what texting was, I mean, he didn't know what that was, right? He could email, right? He could email, but texting, that's a whole, other, a whole other deal, right? But he would write these letters, and, and it was really cool because I actually could write letters back to him, right? And that's back when, like, you didn't hear from somebody in a week. You had, like, a week delay, right? It took, like, three days for it, four days, today, a week, right? I won't go. Okay, I was going to go somewhere else, but I'm not going to go there, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? And so it takes a long time for that to snail mail. We call it snail mail to get to where it needs to get to. Well, this is a letter right here, the book of Revelation, I don't know if you know this, was a letter written, and it was written from Jesus to John, via John, to the early churches of Asia Minor, churches like Ephesus and Sardis, right, And, uh, and, and Laodicea. Those are the words that you were just hearing, and you'll hear it again next week when the bumper video is unmuted at the beginning of it, but you'll hear those words again. Um, And so these are churches in Asia Minor, and Jesus is telling the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, and we believe this uh, to be the last, um, the reason it's at the end is it's not only the end times, but we believe this is the last book that was written down and recorded, and we think sometime around 80, A.D., Okay. Remember the apostle John was really young when he was following Jesus and became an apostle of Jesus and we probably say probably in his he was a teenager. Okay? So which would very well put him into the 90 80 90 AD range. So he is on up there when he is receiving this revelation from the Lord Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, okay? So these are the these are the last recorded words of Jesus. If you look into Revelation, you will see that um they should be written in red if you have a written in red Bible. You, you will actually see that Jesus' words to the church at Ephesus, chapter 2, you know, it says, and it's actually written in red because the view is that it is from Jesus via John. Everybody tracking with me? So, because he says at the beginning of Revelation, he says, write these words down, John. I'm giving you this for the churches. Write this down, Okay. And so that's where we're at, but we are going to start in chapter 2 with the first church that he writes to, the church of Ephesus, and we've heard of Ephesians, right? The book of Ephesians, right? Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians. He, In fact, Apostle Paul helped start the church, as he did many of the early churches, and he planted the church of Ephesus, which was a major, major city in Asia Minor, um, and so uh probably at this time around 250,000 people in the city of Ephesus around this time. Uh, so it was, it was a big uh, commercial city um, and also very much a pagan city as well. And so he's writing this uh, probably about, so this is probably about 30 years into this church plant and Jesus gets a letter. So I want you to imagine that. What if we were to get a letter today? Okay, now this church technically is like 85 years old, okay? But, but we, we kind of did a restart, revitalization starting back almost five years ago. What if we were to get a letter today? Like Dennis goes and checks the mail and here from Jesus opens up, the, opens up the letter. What would it say? I have a feeling it would say many of the same things that it's saying right here to the church at Ephesus and to the church of Laodicea. The reason that these letters are so important is because they inform us today. So one little challenge to you this week, write a letter and send it. It maybe be kind of refreshing to you, right? Instead of a text, maybe write an actual physical letter, right? And at camp, when we went to youth camp, we would actually send letters to ourselves. I don't know if y'all ever did this. Like they would give you like an envelope and they would give you, uh, anybody do this at youth camp? Or is it just me? Okay, that was Isaiah did it? Okay, good. Uh, I, I don't know what camp. I can't remember what it was. It may have been Piney Woods, but I just remember that was one of the exercises, right? Get alone with the Lord. Spend some time with him. It usually was in summary of, like, what God had done at camp. And write that down so that six months later, you remember what it was like and what commitments you made back at camp. Sound familiar? Okay. Well, anyway. Um <laughs> I'm using dated analogies today. Okay, uh, let's, let's continue on. Um, and so this is the opening letter, the first letter in Revelation uh, chapter 2. Let's start there, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. This is Jesus speaking to Ephesus. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bear up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten us today. For apart from your enlightenment, we cannot understand. So we pray for a mind of understanding today, God. We pray for ears to hear. God, we pray that as your word goes forth, Lord, that there will be um, this amazing um, uh, receiving and empowering of the Holy Spirit as you do your transforming work in and through us, not because we uh, have done anything to earn that, but because the grace of Jesus has been bestowed upon his family. So, God, that is our posture today as we come to your table. We come ready to receive all that your grace intends to give us, and it's in the power and authority and name of Jesus we pray. Amen. First thing that I want you to write down that we see right here at the beginning. And Jesus does a compliment sandwich. You ever gotten one of those? Right? You ever gotten one? Right? Maybe maybe you're getting your year-end review at work, your quarterly review, right? And you come in, and it's like, hey, so how do you think you did this year? Right? That's a, By the way, if it starts off like that, it's not good. Okay? How do you think you did this year? Right? No, no, no. Right? And it's also equally can be scary as well, like, Hey, we just want you to know you're doing a great job. You're doing really good, you know. You, you get here on time and and uh, things are things you 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 go through your task list and 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 you just you're really great. What's coming next? Comma but but there's some things we need to work on, right? And here's the thing. You know that that's where your supervisor's trying to get to anyway, right? And you're already there. By the way, your mind's already there. So you didn't hear anything at the beginning because you already know, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Oh, what's he going to get onto me for today? Oh, my, yeah, right? You're, you're already there. And then you're like, man. And then you get defensive. And you're like, no, no, no. Well, see, I was late that day because such, ba, 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 this happened, right? Or because, you know, my, I couldn't find my cat, right? And blah, blah, blah. you just keep going on, right? And, and so your mind is just, you're not even kind of receiving it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you're a supervisor and you've ever had to do this as well, right? right? Principal, teacher, right? Maybe even to a student, a teacher student relationship, right? So it's good to say the things that you are doing well, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just be careful that you don't just go into total HR mode, okay? Agree? Okay. Some of the HR professionals are like, hey, wait, we're trained in this. This is what we do, right? Here's the deal Jesus says, hey, you're doing these things really, really well. And he's being absolutely genuine, because Jesus is genuine. He's saying, you are doing these things well. Here's what you're doing well. He says, you're testing things. Like, you're not allowing false teachers to come in and just kind of, like, preach whatever they want to preach and teach whatever they want to teach. No, you're holding them, holding them, like we talked about in First Thessalonians. You're holding them, and, and you're, it, through the word, you're deciphering it. You're filtering it through the word to test it, to see, is this good or is it bad, right? And that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you're, you, you're good at testing. And you're good at knowledge. Like, you've got the knowledge thing down. You've got the testing thing down. You are doing the right thing. But, right, but you've abandoned your first love. You can write this down. What we see at the church at Ephesus is we see right actions and wrong heart. Right actions and wrong heart. How many of you know that you can do a task? Oh, and you'll get it done but your heart's not in it. Come on, everybody's been there, right? I mean, you'll take out the trash because it needs to get done, but that doesn't mean you want to take out the trash or you're passionate about taking out the trash, right? Okay? One of my favorite examples is, uh, as a parent, you can totally understand this, can you not, right? You tell your child, hey, I need you to go pick pick up or rake the leaves, right? Okay, go rake up this pile of leaves. And if you're like my yard, you've got tons of trees and tons of leaves, right? So this can be an all-day Saturday activity, right? Now, if I, I can still do the action, and my son or my daughter can do the action that I've told them to do, but how many of you know that I can tell by their posture if their heart's in it? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. I see there's finger pointing going on over here. There? Okay. Um, you can totally relate to that if, if, you, if you're a parent. Yeah. It, it, that's, uh, I testify to that because I've seen it happen. And, and you're actually visualizing your children right now as I do that, right? And so you know that you can have the right action, but you can have the wrong heart. You know that you, they can get the task done, but that doesn't mean that they're totally into it. Jesus is telling the church, you're doing the right things. You're checking the boxes. You're doing A, B, and C, right? You're you're having church, uh, right? You're preaching the word. But he says, and you're, you're even filtering out the stuff that, you know, hey, yeah, we don't want false teachers. We want to filter all that stuff out as you should. But he's saying, your heart's not in it. You're going through the motions. I, uh... Y'all ever been there? You feel like you're going through motions? So uh, in December, I remember telling Jodi, I, uh, she said, what's wrong? I said, I'm, I just feel like I'm just, shuffle here to this event, shuffle here to this event, go to this event, do this, do that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it's like, I feel like I'm just, like autopiloting through December. And I was quite down about it, to be honest with you, because I, I, I felt it was just like, it just felt like a series of do this, do this, do this, do this. I will say one of the highlights was marrying uh, Mark and Laura, so that was a nice up in December, yes. And so uh, that was, uh, God said, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of peel back um, uh, your autopilot here and I'm, I'm going to just give you this blessing. And he does that. And he shakes us up, but I just felt that I was going through those motions much of December. Anybody can relate to that? All right, you know, company parties and this event, that event, and that, well everything right December gets crazy, and I just didn't feel like I had I had my passion in in that particular time in that particular, that particular season, and I think there were a number of reasons for that, as we'll get into here in a minute It's like a, my dad said. My get up and go had done got up and gone. You ever had that? Uh huh. Um, that's a definitely Ken Haman, which I'm sure he stole it from somebody. But anyway, he he definitely likes to say that one. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Like you're just not in it. You just don't have. And that, I believe that's kind of where the church at Ephesus was. And if we're not careful, our church can get that way or feel that way. So you say, Pastor, what? Y- we, we should do these things, right? We should detect false, absolutely we should do all these things. But what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying ultimately here, he says, I want your heart. I want your heart. That's why you can write down the second thing. The second point is that the remedy is to return to your first love. If you feel distant... I got a call from somebody this week that said, I feel distant from the Lord. I feel like, you know, I'm kind of like out in the ocean just drifting away and like I have, I don't feel connected. I don't feel fulfilled. And here's what I said. I said, the good news is that you feel the conviction of the Lord. You feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That means that he is in you and that the Lord is drawing you back to himself. And he's saying, come back. I have not moved. I have not changed. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then I said, well, what are you gonna do about it, right? What are you gonna do about it, right? Jesus gives us the remedy. He says, if this, is, if this Ephesus, UBC, if this is how you are, Travis, if this is how you are, and things have grown stale, if things have grown weary, and, and you feel like the passion is lost, here is the remedy. The remedy is, verse four, but I have this against you. You have abandoned your love at first. Here's the remedy, verse five. You need to remember, therefore, from where you have been, Repent, which means do a 180, and do the works that you did at first. Two words, first love. Return to your first love. Let's break that down. Two words. First word is what? First. Do you know how you move from your first love? Your first love becomes your second, third, and fourth love. tracking with me? Don't just skate over first. First is there for a reason. The reason that when you first met Jesus, you were so excited, you were so in love with him is because he was first. He wasn't second. He wasn't third. He wasn't fourth. He wasn't fifth. For the first time in your life, you are pursuing someone greater than yourself. Amen someone who created you, someone who made you, someone who knows you intimately, knows the very number of hairs on your head. The Lord is to be first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's the Shema. That's what every young Hebrew child would learn. Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All completely first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you, not seek third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. You see, the reason we get into this where we forget or abandon our first love and things become rote and things become monotonous and we lose the passion is because we are not seeking him first. We're seeking our comfort first. We're seeking our satisfaction first. We're seeking our recreation first. But we are not seeking him first. You say, what happens when we're not first? I'm glad you asked. You can turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 20. Jesus gives this parable that is very clear of what happens when he is not first. You remember he tells this parable of the soils. He says that there was this farmer, and he scattered seed on the soil, and he talks about four different soils. But in Matthew 13, verse 20, he explains to his disciples, here is what it means. Here's the explanation. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Friends, that's what it means to lose your first love. Look at the first soil. Look at the soil that we just talked about, which is actually the second soil. And it says that he receives it with joy, but tribulation and persecution comes. And guess what happens? The Lord gets moved down from first love to second love to third love to fourth love to fifth. You see what I'm saying? He gets knocked down. Tribulation. In the third soil, what happens? The riches, deceitfulness of riches. Listen to me. If Satan can deceive you into thinking that you can find fulfillment apart from Jesus, he has won a battle in your life. If there is any way, and here's how he loves to do it, he likes to say, oh, you need this, oh, to make you happy. Oh, you need this to fulfill you. And what those are is you're building bricks in your kingdom. You're building bricks in your kingdom, and you're building, and you're building, and you're building, and you're building, and and then... That wall falls down. You put some weight on that wall, and what happens? It starts to break. You put some pressure on that wall. You lose a loved one. You go through a divorce. You're in a rocky relationship. uh, You lose your job, and the wall of the kingdom that you have started to build starts to shake. Oh, but the one who builds their kingdom upon the solid rock and foundation of Jesus the winds may come and a mighty winds will come but that kingdom stands because it is built upon the rock and foundation of Jesus First word is first. So, my question to you would be this if you feel like the church, like what Jesus was addressing at the church of Ephesus, and, and you feel like you're kind of going through motions, my first thing that I would ask you is the first that I have to ask myself is, is he first? Is he first? But, secondly, the second word is what? Love. Let's remember the kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us and is the very foundation of his kingdom. Let me give you this quote from Paul David Tripp from New Morning Mercies this morning. There is no reality more radical and foundational to a biblical worldview and a personal sense of identity than this. What is the biblical story? It's the story of a God of love invading the world in the person of his son of love to establish his kingdom of love by a radical sacrifice of love to forgive us in love and to draw us into his family of love and to send us out as ambassadors of the very same love. The entire hope of humanity rests on this one thing, that there is a Savior who is eternally steadfast in redeeming, forgiving, reconciling, transforming, and delivering love. Without this, the Bible is a book of interesting stories and helpful principles, but it is devoid of any power to fix what sin has broken. Amen? We, this is the kind of love that has been demonstrated toward us that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. This kind of extraordinary love is what we need to remember because he says, remember from where you have fallen. Remember when you, do you remember when you first received the good news that Jesus has come to save you? You remember that? I don't know where you were or when that reality hit you. I don't know if it was three years ago, two years ago, 50 years ago, but can I remind you, and that's what Jesus says, to return to where that was, what that was, and remember when that reality and that full truth sat on you, and it wrecked you, and it broke you, and it welcomed you. That's the kind of love that is given to us. That is the kind of first love you want a great example of this? I hope you put your finger in Matthew 13. I'm sorry, I should have told you to do that. Go back to Matthew 13. Scroll down to verse 44. Is everybody still with me? Do we need a coffee break? We, we got we to do something like that? I don't know. Okay. Might need to do standing stretches. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Um, Matthew 13, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. You hear me quote this quite often because I think this is so beautiful. This is Jesus describing what it's like when you find him. Here it is. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been, I'm sorry, that's, that's down to 52. Hold on to that thought. Um, like a merchant who has searched for fine pearls. So you have this one pearl of great value and you have this treasure hidden in the field. Do you see what G- the picture that Pete Jesus is painting? The greatest thing that you can ask yourself, the greatest thing that you can ask your children is, are you treasuring Jesus? that encapsulates everything. Not, are you doing good works? Not, are you towing the line? No, are you treasuring him as the pearl of great price, as the treasure hidden in the field that he is worthy of giving everything to? That's the defining question. That's the defining question. And so, if we want to return to first love, if you want to know what first love looks like, this is it. He's the treasure and he's worth it. Now, look at verse 52. Skip down to there. Now, we just talked about this hidden, this beautiful treasure and this man that goes and sells a field and buys it. And we talked about the one pearl of great value. And this man went and sold all that he had and brought it out. Now look at 52, tie this together. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of God is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they want to show you their new stuff? Right? I remember going to, uh, I remember this when we first moved to Corpus Christi. You remember when the little green egg grilled dome things came out? It's just that this, this was when that came out. He's, oh, let me show you what I'm grilling on. He's got this, green, it, this weird, ugly-looking, dimple green egg kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, that looks interesting. Oh, man, but it can cook. It can cook. It's so good. And he, Right, yeah, we had fajitas. Oh, my goodness, it was amazing. Yeah, that's what you do in South Texas. And so it was, this, it was, it was great. And then, of course, oh, no, 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 that wasn't it. That was just like the the appetizer. Then we go to the gun cabinet. Oh, yeah. And I'm not, I'm sorry, we went to the gun room that's in the safe house of the middle of the room. Concrete walls. Oh, yeah, you know, retinal scan to get inside of it, the whole thing. And you go in there, and there's every firearm that you can ever imagine from Texas, the Battle of Texas, all the way forward. It's got them all, right? It's a, right? And he just, he's like, oh, yeah, look at this and look at that. Oh, my goodness right? He's, just, he's, he's, he's showing us all the, all the new stuff. Jesus, Jesus is saying here, he's saying that, hey, when you understand who I am and you treasure me as, the, as worthy that I am, you get to go and you get to share that treasure. When people come to your house and interact with you, you're going to bring out that treasure to them. And you're going to say, look how good he is. Oh, oh, you want you want some more peace and fulfillment and joy in your life? Well let let me let me bring out. Let me bring out the one who is peace, fulfillment, and joy. I'm so glad you came to my house today because I want to show you my biggest treasure, my greatest treasure. That's Jesus. You see what I'm saying? He's greater than any gun cabinet. He's greater than a little egg grill thing. He's greater than all of that. He is the pearl of great price. And so Jesus is saying, every scribe who's been trained in the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out his treasure for the guest. That's what we do when we realize, but the problem is when you don't treasure him, you're not going to bring him out. Oh, you're going to bring out the the gun cabinet. You're going to bring out the other stuff. That stuff gets old and it gets faded away, no matter what kind of gun safe you're putting it in. The treasure that is eternal is Jesus. Well, then, lastly, what does Jesus promise us? In every one of these letters to the churches, he's going to give a promise to the one who conquers. You're going to see this familiar language. Verse 7 He who has an ear, let him hear. That's Jesus' way of saying, Listen up. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches to the one who conquers I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. You can write this down. The reward, the reward for returning to first love is intimate relationship with the Lord. The reward for returning is intimacy with the Lord. Does the tree of life sound like a familiar phrase to you? I hope it does. In the beginning God created, right? Genesis 1 2 and 3, the creation account and the fall. Genesis 2 9 says, And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst, there it is, tree of life, was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 25 says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You know why? there was nothing impeding the relationship of God knowing them and them knowing God. Nothing. See, sin was not in the way. Sin was not in the way, and they, so they were able to have complete, beautiful fellowship. Tony Evans says, knowing God means sharing your secrets, your heart's DNA, your fears, your hopes, your failures, and even your treasure, of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places it involves revealing yourself in a way unlike you do with any other and within that revelation you will find the most authentic form of love possible the most authentic love of uh, the most authentic form of love possible is when you have fellowship truly with the Lord. And that's what, that's what he's saying. Jesus is saying here, I'm gonna grant you to eat the tree of life. So you see this beautiful book in? We're at, we're at the last book of the Bible and it harkens back to what? The beginning book of the Bible. It harkens back to creation. There's some beautiful artistry here where uh, he's tying back in and he's saying, hey, that fellowship that I created for us, and intended for us at the beginning of time in Eden in all of its beauty, and there was nothing hidden between man and God, and we had beautiful fellowship, guess what? It's going to return to that. And Jesus says, you can experience that. The one who conquers, I will give to him. I will grant to eat of the tree of life. Here is what Jesus is saying. You're doing great things, guys. Your works are good but you've forsaken your first love, you've abandoned your first love, you've lost your passion for me. But if you will return to me and remember and seek me first, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to grant to you the beauty of the tree of life and you and I will get to eat at the table together again. Isn't that good? He says, that's the reward. The reward is not more stuff. The reward is me. Anybody else grateful for that and excited about that? And see, you heard me talk about it last week. When you understand God's identity, your identity in him, then you can experience fellowship. You can experience it. So the reward is the intimate relationship with the Lord. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but if you don't want that, I don't know why you'd repent. Just being honest, like, if you don't want that kind of intimacy and closeness with the Lord to be known by Him, then repentance, you know, you're not truly going to repent, to be frankly honest, because you don't want Him in that. I think there's a lot of people that have the head facts and have the head knowledge but have no relationship with the Lord. Let's just be straight up honest. But Jesus says, Jesus says that true life is found in him. What do you say? I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly not through rules and regulations and rituals and check boxes and that you doing all the good works and all those things no that you have it in him because he is the pearl of great price because he is the great treasure guys when i realized this it changed my walk with christ I'll just be straight up honest with you. When I heard when I heard this and realized, and I, you say, why does he keep quoting the pearl of great price and the treasure? Because I want you to know that he is the treasure. And until you get that, you're gonna seem like things are empty. You're gonna seem like things are not fulfilled. I've said it before, and we'll close with this: if you want fulfillment, if you want to be known, then you need to know him.